Before we start on this episode, we wanted to let you know that you can watch our Catalog and Cocktails episodes live with us every Wednesday via Zoom. Check the link in our channel bio for more information, and we hope you join us in the discussion in real time. Now, let's get back to the episode. Um, once again, it's Wednesday, and it's time for Catalog and Cocktails. It's a honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverages in our hands. And I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd and product guy at Data.World, and joined by Juan. Hello, Tim. I'm Juan Cicada. I'm the principal scientist here at Data.World. And as always, a pleasure to take a break in the day and have a chat with you to talk about data and other stuff too. Sometimes we're starting to talk about other stuff. Yeah, data and adjacencies. Um, hey, by the way, your voice sounds great. I don't know if you're just talking a little closer to the mic, but you sound excellent. I, I don't know what's wrong with this mic. I, I mean, I use it all the time. Sometimes people do say that, and sometimes people don't say anything, so I don't know. So <laughs> Something about some, some kind of magic. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, always good to chat, Juan. And man, we're at the end of the year. We've made it. We have made it, and this was – it started out being an experiment. Honestly, uh, I, I did listen to our first episode today and it was uh, it's just so cool. Everything that we have gone through over the last 30 episodes This is our 30th episode right now. Uh, so as a reminder uh, for everybody who is listening on the podcast, uh, you can join us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central. Everyone's invited. Uh, we stop the recording at 4.30 p.m. Central, and we start the after party, and we just have the discussion with everybody who's, uh, who's joining us here on the, on the open Zoom. And we also have our Slack community. You can go to slack.data.world and trying to kind of gather that up, get people to continue the conversation over there. So, so join us. And then also, if for, we're on the podcast, you can find us on your favorite podcast and find us on Apple Podcasts so you can uh, give us a, a review and rating. So here we are 30 episodes later. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, we've been told by our marketing department that we have to say like and subscribe and give us a review, rate and review. So if you can please <laughs> do that, we would appreciate it. Um, so Juan, what are you going, what's going on with you? What are you, what are you drinking? I'm drinking just a nice classic drink. Uh, scotch and uh, ginger beer so i have yeah. some johnny walker black label and a nice uh fever tree ginger beer and i actually put a little splash of lafroig so i have them all here because i literally just prepared Ooh. this two minutes ago kind of got a little bit strong with the lafroig but that's kind of what i was looking for give it that little extra that's cool you? i am drinking a white russian uh, I've got way too much Bailey's in my fridge and I got to find a way to get rid of it. I just never drink Bailey's anymore. It's not really a thing. Um, I found today, two, uh, yesterday, I found two bottles of Bailey's in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that thing has, I think it has an expiration. Like, I think you're supposed to oh, drink sure. it before <laughs> so a certain probably time. Probably just throw it away now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to use that up. But, um, but, you know, I just found this recipe for uh, Santa's magic potion. So I like eggnog a lot. And so actually I'm going to toast to eggnog because that is my tasty holiday treat. And I'm like, man, I should have made this instead. So I'm going to post the link in the chat here and let people check that out. 
All right, so you're toasting for eggnog. I'm toasting for a case of wine that I got yesterday for only 90 bucks, in shipping included. A whole case? A whole for case, bucks? and you would think it's like, that is that bad? No, I... I I subscribed like if you subscribe your your first time subscriber to one of these things and it was a super awesome promotion so so cheers for for hey twelve bottles of wine for ninety dollars blue shipping heck yeah cheers. cheers to that <laughs> uh, you you just raised my eggnog a ninety dollar case of wine so that's awesome um so one of the things that we've been doing on this lately is just a little bit of banter at the beginning before we get into the data meet. Um, and uh, today's prompt, today's question is your uh, our worst New Year's experience. And uh, Juan and I were talking earlier today and we were like, New Year's, that is very specific. Um, well, what if we kind of looked at like worst holiday experience? Because that's a little broader. We can We can answer that a little easier, I think. So I, I was thinking today about mine and it was, we were having some small kind of pre-holiday or holiday party at my house when some, when I get a text message of a friend and um, it's get, it's like one of those creepy like videos, like we we're, we're just kind of, it was so a small group. And then it's like, somebody is going around the, the windows and they're like filming us and they're like sending that text message. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like you'd not expect that one. So it's kind of like those kind of horror movie type of thing. So worst experience, I don't know, but that was kind of like the funny one, the funniest weird one that I remembered. How about you? Nice. I like that. You know, I, I was having trouble kind of thinking of like, what was the worst experience? Um, you know, one, one story that I remember is that a, um, uh, a handful of years back, me and my wife flew to Cleveland to visit my mom. And at the time, my mom lived in Cleveland. Um, and on our flight back, my wife was having these terrible pains in her stomach. Uh, and, we, you know, you're on the flight and you can't really do anything about it. And we were like, oh, my God, what's going on? Like, is she having some kind of a major issue or something? And um, and then our flight ended up getting uh, rerouted and, and it ended up having to land in um, San Antonio. And so we ended up having to rent a car and drive to Austin from San Antonio. And all said and done, we finally got home and she's in terrible pain. Uh, and she was like, can we just like watch something on the TV? Can we just like watch something? And, and I was like, no, we need to go to the ER. We need to go to the hospital. Like you were in terrible pain here. And it ended up that she had like terrible appendicitis and almost like burst her appendix. And, uh, and then we ended up staying the night in the hospital. So just like cra crazy holiday experience, by the way, it was like on like the 28th or something like that of December. <laughs> well, glad all that uh, didn't go that bad. So yeah. anyway, so, uh, post in the chat tell us where you're from uh, what are you drinking what are you toasting for what was your worst holiday experience uh or anything you want to go share so yeah all right let's get only what you feel comfortable sharing though don't uh don't there share anything go. you don't want us to know exactly <laughs> so <laughs> let's get into the meat of this and so today is our last episode um of the year uh we wanted to kind of have like a review of what has happened over the last 30 episodes what are the things that we've talked about and really what are the things that we should be looking forward to as a as a community as is the industry and also will help us think about uh what we want to look into uh for our next topics at catalog and cocktails so let's start with kind of what has been like the theme across all the 30 episodes and i think the first one that comes to mind which shouldn't be a surprise is 
don't boil the ocean. I think this has been the one thing that we say almost every single episode. And there's actually an episode on it. And it was episode number two called Don't Boil the Ocean, Boil a Fishbowl. So I think that was one of those themes that we see throughout the entire year of our, of our conversations here. Yeah, I feel like we need to make a T-shirt out of that because if we ever uh, go an episode where you don't say that, I feel like we're missing something. So at least we'll always have that T-shirt on. <laughs> so that's one. And I think the other, the other one is clearly you have to define success. Success criteria is, is clear that, that, that otherwise, how do we know that we're being successful? Define that. And connected to, the, the, to define success is understand what's your business use case. So tie any type of data initiative that you're doing to the business. Use cases first, not technology first. So I think those would, those would be the three uh, that we kind of see as a theme that goes throughout the year. So don't forget yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. So don't boil the ocean, define your success and measure use cases first aligned with the business. Uh, I think another big theme uh, that we especially concentrated on a lot um, sort of um, towards the middle of uh, the year when we were talking about agile governance and sort of how you sort of take an agile approach to implementing stewardship and things. Uh, as well as a little more recently, as we talked about things like um, uh, documentation and uh, things like that, is around um, is around data culture, right? Um, there is a, a huge need from companies to be able to not just give people the tools or hire people into the right sort of skills and positions, but to create a different kind of culture in their organization where people value data, where they understand data, and where data becomes a, a major part of the way that they work and operate. And, and I think that's been a, a huge, huge theme. Yeah. So there's so much to unpack about data culture. And I think I, I actually went through and looking at all our episodes, and I think there are at least six or seven episodes that we had on data culture. And, it, and I think I'd like to put them on two aspects, one on the processes and on the people. So and that, so that, that's one of the big trends too. So we, I, I, one of the things I really liked that we talked about on the processes is documentation. Documentation matters. And that's something that we, you would never release code without any type of documentation. We release data all the time without documentation. Why the heck do we allow that? That should not happen. Uh, so that's one of those topics. And then the, also understanding how the process of, of kind of doing documentation, how do people come together with, again, going back to the first point is don't boil the ocean, right? So how we're being agile about it? How do we have sprints? And that was another big topic about data sprints. Um, so they're on the processing side. And then we talked a lot about people too. Yeah. The people side of it is, is also critical to data culture. And in a couple of our episodes, we talked about things like how important it is to uh, really think of hiring as a strategic activity, how important it is to get the right people into the right roles. And we talked about some specific roles, right? Early on, we talked about sort of the interplay between data producers and data consumers. And we talked about how there's an important bridge role, somebody that kind of needs to be in between to really broker the folks who are producing the data and the people who are consuming the data. And um, 
a, a title that we kind of associated with this or a hat that this person can wear was the data product manager, right? So taking not sort of a defensive or a reactive approach to data, but the mindset of a product manager who is taking ownership, that's thinking about value creation, that's thinking about productization and repeatability around data. And one of my favorite, I mean, that's, I think, I think that's my favorite episode, the data product manager. That was with, uh, with Claire Clayhill from the Zebra. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was you think about the data steward and you think about a kind of the data product manager. And a data steward is the person or that role that is managing the data that we have today. Things that, I mean, that it's, it's the current operations of we have all this data that we have, all our transactional systems, we need to go manage that. But then you start thinking about, okay, I need to organize the data to, for, for quote unquote tomorrow, right? Be able to go understand the requirements. What do we understand what we have, what we don't have? What do we need to go get? And the data product management team is the are th those are the ones who are thinking about kind of the future of the data. What's next? And I really like that kind of association. And it's and it's and it's super interesting how we're starting to go get see that the the role of somebody being responsible, the team being responsible for the data. So the whole culture aspect is about the processes we've discussed a lot, and also about the people and who is responsible for your data. And, and I think as, as DJ Patel said, in, in, in one of the conversations was data is a team sport. And I think that's the crucial aspect that we need to remind ourselves. It's not just about technology. It's not just about some magic wand and AI who's going to go do things. Stop thinking about that. It's about also the processes and the people. Yep. So data culture, I think, there's going to be a lot more to unpack about data culture in 2021. So teaser, I think there's, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of great conversations to have around that. Now, one other topic that we do, uh, dove a lot into in 2020 was around sort of this idea of why you're buying a catalog and what, what is the value that you're trying to drive out of it? And one of the big questions that people ask is this sort of age old question of build versus buy. And why are we, you know, sort of building a catalog or why are we buying a catalog when, you know, maybe there's some open source tools out there or, or frameworks that we could be leveraging. Um, and uh, we even had our uh, data catalog fight night uh, where you and I took sides. Uh, I think Juan was representing the buy side and I was uh, representing the build side. And we kind of walked through why you look at certain aspects versus others. And, you know, if it's part of your DNA to sort of be building software, um, if it is a situation where you're not in a rush, you don't have to move too quickly to sort of get to value. And maybe there's a limited amount of features that you need to take advantage of or unique features that you need to build. Buy, uh, building can make a lot of sense. But in almost all of the cases, buying uh, makes a lot of sense because you get to value faster. You get all those features that you're looking for. Uh, and you uh, get to not worry about sort of managing and running the infrastructure. You can just focus on doing your business and implementing your data culture. Yeah. And then we also had on episode 28, a couple episodes ago, Jeff Fang from, from Airbnb was here. So if you yeah. really want to hear it directly from him about their, his process, somebody wanted to go build. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a great episode to do it. Bottom line, go build. If you have a lot of money, you have a lot of time, you have a lot of custom needs, and building software is within the DNA of your company. If 
if you say no to at least one of them, I think that's already a good reason why you should probably go buy. And then when it comes to buying, I mean, we also had a lot of great discussions last week about ROI. And so that was our latest episode uh, about return on investment on your data catalog. And I think one of the aspects there we talked about was you can think about it also being like a defensive approach or an, an offensive approach of thinking about the categories, right? ROI on the defensive side is, well, we we have, we want to avoid pain fines, right? It's all about avoiding risks, right? Or you can be more of the offensive and that can be also kind of on two aspects. One, which is I got very specific opportunities, very specific use cases. So I can probably build a data product out of this and, and literally monetize my data or do something so you're thinking about kind of new revenue uh, streams. Or if it's a generic use case, like everybody has, I can't find my data. It's more about improving your productivity and you still can quantify that. So I think the ROI aspect comes into there too when you're thinking about build versus buy. And then finally, kind of a trickled over, the la- over this last 30 episodes has been all about just the data ecosystem, right? We had this one conversation about the data landscape is crazy about, I mean, when you see that data landscape chart that comes out every year, there's like, I don't know, hundreds of tools in there. Like, how do you grasp? How do you start? Yeah, it's um, looking more and, and more like the uh, the marketing landscape. Because I've, I've always looked at that one and been like, oh my God, there's like 8,000 tools on there. The data one's catching up. <laughs> There's just so much stuff out there. Like you have no idea how to go start. So, I mean, I, things to go start is, well, let me go find kind of the logos that I'm aware and see where they show up and look at other new companies around those old, those kind of traditional logos that I know and see what's out there. We're seeing a lot of modernization, people going, tools going to the cloud and so forth. Um, and then you're kind of your, the, the, the traditional aspects, tools that you expect. Like we've talked about data quality, data lineage, master data management. I love your definition. Fancy data integration. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like uh, I like it when we can simplify things. Sometimes it, it makes the conversations easier. And you know, I think this whole conversation about the ecosystem is is valuable, and it ties a little bit into the second half of our episode today, where we're talking about you know what are the trends that we see really coming on in 2021 and what do you know we look forward to sort of exploring with our episodes in 2021 as we bring on more guests and we talk about these different topics um, and I think one of the biggest things that we're noticing um, that as we move into the next year is that we're noticing this difference between the legacy approach to how folks have tackled metadata and catalogs and how people are trying to tackle this problem of sort of finding, understanding, documenting, and putting your data to work in the future. And in the past, this sort of legacy approach, so legacy being things like bringing in, you know, an old style data catalog, right? The data catalog concept has been around for a while, bringing in a quality tool from, you know, one of the sort of uh, legacy vendors, Uh, bringing in some sort of a lineage tool or a master data management tool is that this legacy approach is typically looking to bring in metadata tooling as a bolt-on, right? It's looking at how do I put this in off to the side because my data infrastructure, it's legacy, it's messy, I'm, I'm invested in it. What could I just add on top, a quality tool or an MDM tool to start to organize things, right? So it's all about kind of thinking about it as add-ons. It's like, I already got this thing, I got this engine that's working, don't stop it. And, but if I can add something here, add something here, it can looks a little bit more modern and so forth. And I think, I think that's kind of what that's yeah. the status quo. Or I can squeeze a little metadata juice out of this and feel like I'm getting something out of it. Right. Um, and while we don't necessarily think that's going to go away all that quickly, there is a shift 
happening in the market now where folks are trying to move away from this bolt-on, let me just get a little bit of sort of incremental value here, heavy investment, right? Um, to infusing metadata into how we do our data management, right? Not thinking of metadata and data as two separate realms, but thinking of them as things that need to be integrated together. And there's a lot of exciting trends and movements that are pushing that approach. All right, so let's go talk about what, what, what I mean, I don't want to see this as like predictions, but this is like what we should be doing. And, and so what are we, what should we doing in this next year? Or at least well, and what, is what I'm excited about right? working on yeah. and, and what I'm seeing our customers and, and, and our friends and our colleagues working on. First thing is, I think the, I like to call this a modernization of just how we're implementing or how we're doing data integration. So we've been doing data integration for the last 25 years. And I think for this, almost the same way. I mean, we've kind of shifted things like it's not a data lake. It's not a data warehouse. It's a data lake now, right? We stopped from ETL to ELT and so forth. But we're seeing some interesting modernizations going on. I think this is going to be a big, this is something we need to go work more. One is everything's going to the cloud. And period. If you're, if you're, if you're still buying things that are going to be on-prem, that's going to happen for just a couple more years and everybody's going to the cloud. If you're still on-prem, you are old school and your competitors are going to eat you up. So just Get on the cloud now, period. I think that's one of the big things that we're seeing. And then the second is that we're starting to go see more of these kind of software development practices, these best practices, and like things from DevOps, right? That's coming into the data world. And I think this combination is now this big kind of popular thing that we're starting to hear more and more called data ops. So I think that's one of those, um, that's, that's the trend that we're seeing, but also the things that we need to really push into. We need to push to go more to the cloud and we need to push to bring in kind of software development practices into the data world and learn all the stuff that's been happening and also in the DevOps world. Yeah, exactly, Juan. And, and I think data ops really is sort of the, the movement that's bringing in this concept of metadata and data working together to fruition, to action. Right. And I, I think that there are a few, you know, subtrends here that fit in well with this, this sort of combination of things that we're talking about. So one of them, for example, uh, is this idea of test driven data development. You know, we already have this idea of test driven uh, application development in the software world, really uh, allowing sort of acceptance criteria and, and sort of the combination of, of unit tests and more system wide testing to drive um, the, the, the sort of the work that you're doing to build features and functionality. And that same concept of being test driven is starting to come into the data world as well. Because now quality really is something that needs to be built into how you're building things. Exactly. Documentation needs to be built into how you're building things. And observability, monitoring your data pipeline needs to be built into how you're doing things. And the way we were, I mean, and, and I'm thinking like the previous the legacy approach is, oh, my data is dirty. Let me go get an add-on of a data quality tool to go figure out what's dirty and then go clean it. And here it's like, wait, let's avoid that. Let's go make sure that we were not going to let that happen. So things like I'm really excited about this tool coming out, this uh, great expectations. You want to go define your kind of your, your, your cleaning rules or, or the, these are the rules. How, this, is, this is how the data should come out. And if it's not coming out this way, go alert. And how do you send alerts? Where do you send alerts? I mean, we do this today. I mean, at data.world, if something happens, this, everybody gets pinged and people are on call and stuff. We need to do the same thing with data. 
Uh, so I think that's one of those, uh, I mean, great expectations is an example of something that's getting popular. The other one that we love, the folks at DVT, be, they, they focus on the transformations, right? We all talk about ETL and ELT, but really we got to think about the, the, that T aspect. And I want to push it more is this is where the knowledge comes into place, right? We got to think about the, the, the T and the ETL, right? The transformation is where we're literally putting all our business logic, what the, the knowledge within organization is focused, are represented, implemented in those transformations. We really need to elevate those transformations to be first-class citizens. It's not just, it's part of our metadata too. So our data and metadata need to be first-class citizens. And I think I'm really excited about what can be, what is being done with, with tools like, like DBT, but I know we can do way more than that too. We, yeah, we need I'm, to. I'm excited about them. Uh, Fishtown Analytics, who are sort of the purveyors and the, and the creators of DBT, they recently got a big investment round. They've got a very exciting roadmap around how DBT is going to uh, evolve. And I agree with you. I think that, you know, in general, where you get a lot of, let's call it metadata loss, right, where you lose fidelity often is in transformations because the data changes shape. You know, I think the data prep tools were especially one of the worst sort of things that got introduced to this because data goes into a file store something happened and then now it's over in this other folder and now people are using that for their most business critical reports and people are like well, how did the data so I'm, what I'm happen right to see what's going to happen with the data prep data wrangling tools and these kind of transformation tools right i think that's something really interesting that i i mean tools like trifacta right and stuff like that like how are they going to be merging i i mean this is going to be super interesting because people are starting to realize is wait all these people are cleaning the same data but they're doing it differently. And the, why are we doing this all differently? And this yeah. goes back into the whole culture that we're talking about, right? How do we do this and, and how are we communicating uh, how we're doing these transformations? What are the processes? What are the people? Who are the people? So we've been talking, everybody talks about agile. They put agile on top of it in front of everything. So do we. Okay. We are talking a lot of blah, blah, blah here. It's time to do the walking. Like, actually what are the best practices the, the quote-unquote step-by-step guides that we should go follow like we need we need to roll up our sleeves and share what we're doing i think this is important as a community to start sharing our best practices what's working what's not working what should we do uh are i mean are we are we boiling the ocean or not right i think this is super important that we need to start doing and i think this is something that we're excited to go push out kind of our our point of view and our best practices about that. Mm -hmm. 2021 should be a year of action. If your data is dirty, go clean it. If your data is ugly. And make sure that it's not going to happen again, right? Or, yeah. or, or how we can avoid that. Put in the right guardrails. If your data is ugly, go make it beautiful. It's the year. It's the I, year I like to do it. Beautiful data. Uh, and, the, and, and I think I... I'm personally very invested in this whole area of uh, the topic of a data product manager of of realizing who is responsible for your data, coming up with the, the team. And I think something that we need to go do, again, as a community, as an industry, is to start talking more about this role. And I'm really excited to go see a lot of job postings from the big companies. I mean, Apple has, this is what I'm tracking, Apple has a, a data product uh, manager role right now in Austin that they're, that, that, that it's, that's open. Um, what, is that, what is that role? Like we need to have kind of almost like a shared kind of job description about this. And as, and we need to all kind of align ourselves that we need to have this type of role and let's get people 
also educated for that. And this is something that's going to take a while. I think the universities are not educating people towards this. And this is something that we need to go push for the for, for in this next year. Are the universities educating for the next, the next thing about data? We've been doing data science for five, almost 10 years now, or five years. What's after that? And this is something that I, I believe this is the area of, of knowledge science that we need to start thinking about how do we manage what these things mean? And these, and these things mean are being implemented in these transformations. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous that people are getting, coming out of college or getting degrees in data science, but they don't, are not educated about data modeling. They don't know how to go communicate with the business or the end users or data consumers and translate those kind of requirements to the data. And they also know how to go look at the data and, then, and, and, and create those transformations and be critical about it. So this is something that I think it's, it's, we really need to go push for this in, in, in this next year. Yeah. I, I think that's an important thing for 2021 to help crystallize for us is, is that as we learn more about our data, as we're rolling our sleeves up and really trying to make this data better, how do we create the right knowledge, the right skills and the right roles to really do the next phase of the data work that needs to happen? Cause we can't keep doing what we've been doing. Right. Um, that that's crazy. We need to, we need to start doing something different and start showing, showing what can be different. Now, this one is going to be something we've been observing a lot is I think the topic of build versus buy will continue. Yeah. And there are a lot of new startups coming out in this space and especially a lot around open source. And in particular on the data catalog space, you got the folks from, you know, LinkedIn, they had their data portal that was open source and a company came out of that. Lyft open source uh, Mudson system and there's a company coming out of that. So it's going to be really interesting now. The whole, I, I, I'm going to bet that the conversation of build versus buy is going to get bigger and bigger. And I think, again, goes back to if you're going to go build or reuse open source, right? It's, it's uh, free like puppies, not like beer, right? <laughs> the age old analogy. Yeah. And, and I think that honestly, I'm so excited for, you know, all of these open source tools, because I think that this is just going to bring so much more attention and community and skill building around the catalog space that is so necessary, right? I think catalogs don't nearly get enough attention as they should in terms of how important and valuable they can be to companies to change their data cultures. And so overall, I'm just, I'm excited about this. I think this is good for the space. And so I know that we have some uh, some final thoughts here. I'll get us kicked off, and then Juan, maybe you want to kind of uh, take us the rest of the way home. So you know, there's been a lot of analysts and and sort of uh, soothsayers that say that uh, the catalog space is going away, right? That uh, that it's just going to merge and blend into other types of platforms and things like that. Uh, and there is a strong contingent of different analysts, but also folks like ourselves that really believe that, um, you know, catalog's not going away, right? Maybe it's changing shape, uh, but really what's happening is you've got all of these important movements that are going on right now. You've got agile data governance. You've got agile data ops. You've got this idea of observability and wanting to build sort of an information or a metadata radiator that really understands everything that's going on in your uh, data infrastructure. You've got things like data virtualization and analytics query workbenches and things like that, right? That the sort of the work itself and the documentation around those work. And then you've got things like the knowledge and the automation that you're building on top of your data. 
And if you look at all of those things, the thing that they all have in common is they need a single unified view of your metadata. They need to know what the data is and the data catalog is the hub for that. And so that's, that's something that we see that is really gonna grow in importance, not diminish in its importance. And I think going back to our first episode, I think that would be great. Uh, people wanna go connect, connect the dots is that we started our first episode talking about the, what's the future of enterprise data management? And we're seeing kind of data and metadata being separate. And I think our view is these things are gonna be fused together. And you wanna go start with a catalog, understand what metadata you have, start connecting, integrating all your metadata, right? That's why your, your metadata is a graph because it's a, yeah. all your connections. And from that, you're gonna start connecting more and more data, but obviously don't boil the ocean and have it connected to your business use cases. Yeah, that was our first episode. That, uh, that's so true. We, we asked the question, is a data catalog a feature of a metadata management tool or is really metadata management becoming a part of a data catalog and the data catalog is really the bigger thing, right? Agreed. The data catalog is going to be the bigger thing and, and the data catalog name will change, but it's something that there's this thing right now being called data catalog that that's getting bigger and bigger. So first of all, just to kind of wrap up, Think, I'm so thankful for everybody who uh, who comes in for our live kind of event, uh, our live recordings, for all the lawyer li listeners who've uh, been going and, and finding Catalog and Cocktails. Uh, we've got phenomenal feedback. And the question is, how are we going to evolve next year? Uh, so we've had a lot of kind of huddles and kind of conversations. And one of the things that we're excited is that we want to have more guests. Uh, we want to get more folks involved in the conversation. And there's just so many exciting topics. We will always be very faithful to our tagline, having an honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management analytics. Uh, so if you have any ideas of topics and of also people you would like us to be on, and again, we don't want this to be interview style. This is a conversation. This is just like uh, we're at a conference and the uh, hallway conversation. This is the type of style we want to go have it. So send us an email. I'm Juan at data.world, or you can go to Tim. I think you're Tim.gasper at data.world. Tim.gasper, yeah. Uh, but there's super, there are topics that we're organizing is around this whole notion of a data mesh. That is one of the really exciting architect, the decentralized and centralized architectures that we want to go dive into. Talk more about data ops, search. We talked about enterprise search has been a thing for a while, but what is it for enterprise search over structured data? That's going to be, what's the next generation of that? Uh, this whole notion of test-driven data management. We want to dive into some industries. What is, let's go, let's talk about what's going on in the insurance space and specifically, or finance. Um, we obviously have to talk, talk about AI, right? That's always a hot topic, but, and then there's machine learning and all these model ops. Talk about user experience. Everybody's now claiming we got our user, our best user interface, user experience. What does that actually mean to do that? Another aspect is also education. Like, I think we really need to start having those hard uh, conversations, hard questions with uh, the academics saying, you guys need to go be teaching folks. So a lot of interesting topics. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you for being here for the last 30 episodes in this year. It started out as, a, as this fun experiment and we are so excited to keep doing this going forward. So Tim, some final uh, takeaways. Honestly, my final takeaway is Wow, what a year. This has been incredible. Uh, I'll reiterate what Juan said here. Thank you so much for your listenership and your participation in this. We look forward to having you uh, with us on this journey in 2021. 
Uh, as you heard Juan mention, we're going to have more guests and I'm just, I'm excited to be able to, to, to sit here and, and talk to you all and, and to talk to Juan about enterprise data management. And let's, let's figure out how to make this stuff work for us. We always, we work so hard with our data and so hard for our data. Let's figure out how to make it work for us. Well, Tim, it's been a pleasure. And I think one of the, my main takeaways out of not just today, but over this whole year is the people and the processes. It's data is not just about technology. It's not about the tools. It's about the people, the process, the culture. We've been talking a lot about this. I'm excited to next year really drill into action. We need to go make change in here. Uh, and that's something we're gonna be pushing a lot with our, with our guests on these conversations. Tim, cheers, my partner in crime. Uh, happy holidays, uh, happy new year. And thanks for everybody who's been listening for the last 30 episodes. Yeah. Poppy, uh, happy holiday, happy holidays. Yeah. Bring, bring your, bring your IPAs. Happy, happy hoppy. Is that happy. a beverage? Is that a beverage Tim? <laughs> beverage. Uh, happy holidays, happy new year. And we'll see you in the new year. Please look for our announcements about our upcoming episodes in 2021.